You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 326 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by the usual cast of uh, goofiness, Seth Miller, Fosma Moon. How you doing, guys? Good. I like how we've gone from characters to goofiness now. Yeah, I mean, you guys are characters sometimes. Now you're just goofy. We're just going further and further down the rat hole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so. I'm just, I mean, at some point, does one of us become Donald Duck? Quack. As, as long as it's not Donald Trump. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bada bing. So, some follow-up from the last show. Uh, we talked about the Luanda service and, uh, uh, what is it, TAG Airlines. Um and Delta actually pr- proposed service to Luanda back in 2011 when it was doing all the uh, yeah, like the D- Dakar hub or the yeah yeah right yeah. it was Dakar I think they used yeah it was yeah, D- yeah the Scissor hub in Dakar so anyway yeah there was in fact but we don't know if they ever operated it I still can't figure out which of those right that was like the Delta proposed a ton and then didn't do all of it so I think they only did like two routes out of there yeah so anyway some fun Luanda. Oh yeah. Good well, and I think I think what we should really start off the show with, like really, really start off the show with, is the fact that Seth, you drove for a work trip for the first time ever. So first time where a flight was available and I okay. chose to drive. Okay. Um, Explain this I, to us. <laughs> I, I had the option to fly and you know looked at the flight schedules. I had to go to central New Jersey, not far from Newark, about twenty minutes outside of the airport. Um, from Boston, that's an easy flight, and for me, getting to Boston's relatively easy, and it's normally how I go. Uh, and I finally started looking at you know schedules and stuff to figure out how I was going to do it, and it turned out that or it turns out that the schedules have been cut so much. I went it was it was shocking to me. It was actually enough to make me go check the history. And so a year ago. Uh, Boston to Newark had 105 flights for the week, 15 a day. Uh, last week or two weeks ago now when I had to take the trip, it was 16 for the whole week. Two a day on United and two a week on JetBlue. Wow. Two a week or two a day? Two a day on United. Okay, two a week. On average, and, two, and JetBlue had like a Thursday and a Monday or something like that. Round trip. One so for the leisure crowd or the consulting crowd? I'm trying to figure I out. have no idea. Um, it clearly didn't work for me as the consulting crowd, um, but I'm a different kind of consultant, so who the hell knows? Um, yeah, it was. I was shocked at how much uh, the service was cut, um, and then drove 900 miles in three days, which is not something I really want to do again. Uh, and especially the part where I was two thirds of the way home and got a phone call that uh, network cable that, that was supposed to be plugged in probably wasn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I it was actually it was amusing. I pulled over on the side of the road and was. Like in a in a rest area, taking some calls and you know using this my modem tethered, whatever, blah blah blah, doing the work, and couldn't get in touch with someone to tell me if something was really broken or not. It's like fine, I'll just go home and figure it out from there. And then like five minutes later, after I pulled back on the highway, my phone rang. I'm like, sure, okay, it was the person who could help me. And so I immediately put, I was like, okay, hang on a second, hang on a second. I saw there was like a way station or something that was closed, but I pulled off into the exit of the way station. And just like, you know, left myself enough runway of exit ramp that I could get back up to speed when I needed to merge back into the highway, but pulled off on the side of the road, turned on my hazards and started taking my phone call. And so I'm sitting there like with the laptop in the passenger seat and like trying to work and get figure this out and talking to the guy and doing a FaceTime call to have this guy who's definitely not a networking engineer walk around a server room. And I'm like, hey, do you see lights on this jack? No, no, the (laughs) black one under the blue one. No, no lights. Huh? Anyway, it was, we got it solved, so that's you know, the good part of the story, but halfway through the call, all of a sudden, like, and I didn't notice him because I wasn't paying attention, like, I hear a thump-thump on my window, 
And it was one of the like highway uh, emergency roadside assistance people from the state of Massachusetts walked up, knocked on my window like, son, you okay in here? <laughs> um, obviously, I didn't have a southern accent. I don't know where that came from. But <laughs> Yeah, you got to do that like in a thick Rhode Island or Massachusetts accent. Yeah, I, which I can't do. Uh, <laughs> you can't pack your car and have it. Yeah, I, I don't know. You can't pack your car here. Uh, like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just I had to take a phone call and I pulled over so I didn't crash. It's like, okay. And he walked off and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> You just for then there for a moment you thought you were going to be murdered. He uh, <laughs> was a somewhat grizzled old man. It was kind of exciting. Yeah. So this is just after you came out of uh, Connecticut, I assume. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, you come. Uh, I forget. Ninety-one merges onto the Mass Pike. There, maybe there's enough sun in our uh, like a short stub between them. But yeah, basically right there. Yeah, ninety-one or eighty-four, depending on which way you're going. Yeah. I can. So so. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I just I thought it was interesting how just how awful the flight schedules were that not quite forced but pretty much forced me to yeah drive instead so it was weird how the how the subaru hold up on the road trip no i rented a car oh, okay <laughs> i've done that driving the subaru before uh, that was actually almost identical to what we did when we moved up here we made our last we did it from florida oh gotcha yeah. over four days and we did jacksonville to charleston charleston to richmond richmond to central jersey and then central jersey to dover so oh, wow so yeah, did, it was you know, and when we did it then, I was like, God, that was a long drive. And then I realized I did it back and forth in the same weekend. This trip plus the middle day of the trip, I actually from Central Jersey had to go all the way up to Teterboro, uh, like drove past the airport, all the way down to King of Prussia, PA, and then back in one day. <laughs> I drove the length of New Jersey twice. It was terrible. You know, I never, uh, I never, I, I, I don't really understand Northeast geography very well. Like I, I can look at a map and say that's, that's where New Hampshire is. That's where Vermont is, et cetera. But like, I don't understand the subtleties of Connecticut and, you know, everything going on there and everything in Vermont. And I saw some video where they were making fun of Vermont the other day. And it, it just, it made me laugh. Cause I thought of you, Seth. Uh, <laughs> that's a completely different world. It's like 50 miles west of here. <laughs> and that's what's so funny. Like people are like, Oh, Eastern Oregon's so different. I'm like, yeah, it's 300 miles away but you're like yeah it's 30 minutes <laughs> for you <laughs> um so let's talk about the new is it amsterdam airport or is it a new airport in the netherlands netherlands sort of it's supposed to twin with uh amsterdam skip with schiphol really well twin might not be the best way to it. it was a reliever airport for schiphol it's sort of on the other side of town okay um and way back in the day at one point there was discussion about how like uh Hyperloop sort of train between the two could make it a sort of unified airport experience where you could do all the check in it, where you could sort of check in at either one and just you know, transfer between the two super easy and this and that. It was, you know, which was almost certainly never going to happen anyways, but it was fun to listen to people talk about it. Um, so, but yeah, there's like this extra airport that they've been talking for years about trying to open. Um, and it's probably closer than Rotterdam. I think Rotterdam's not that far away. Um, and is a real airport or real-ish. It's a very small terminal. Um, but yeah, it is delayed once again. And like they've done proving runs with real planes for noise testing to make sure that you know it will meet whatever requirements the regulators have. But who knows? So it is. It's thirty-two miles from Schiphol. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, twenty-six miles from Central Amsterdam. Uh, when I think about it, though, like to me, it looks far simply because there's like you know a bay between it and Amsterdam. Um, it's definitely and we sort of talked about this with Chengdu the other day, though, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They exactly. look way further, but I guess Chengdu had the advantage of being on high speed rail line. This doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Schiphol. The thing with Schiphol is it's fairly close to central Amsterdam, right? Like yeah. it's you're you're what fifteen minutes. So I want to say I was having drinks with uh, occasional guest Michael Traeger when like boarding started for my flight. 
<laughs> and I was, we were like having, it wasn't quite boarding, but it was close. I think two hours prior to departure, I was still having drinks with him down at, an, at a bar near the central station. I was like, oh shit, I got to go catch my flight. And basically, you know, hopped on a train, walked through security, walked through immigration, walked onto the plane, sat in my seat, and then they closed the door and we left. Um, maybe it was 90 minutes out, but like you could do it. It was that easy. You're nuts. I've never. It was, had... it was by accident. We were just like my third gin and tonic. Yeah, well, I, I, I've never had that kind of luck with, with yeah. Skipple. <laughs> At least it wasn't like Eastern Europe and, uh, you know, drunk off his ass. <laughs> Where he doesn't no, go to bed. Western Europe and drunk <laughs> off my ass. It's completely different. But I mean, I've, Skipple, I remember one day. I had had an overnight in Skipple, and I left I, when I have an early morning flight. I always leave my curtains open a little bit, and uh, I set my alarm. I must have slept through it. I wake up and I'm like, "Oh, why is there daylight outside?" I'm like, "And I'm like, oh sh- crap!" And uh, I was on the nine fifteen flight to Newark, and it was oh eight fifteen at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and I managed to take a quick shower and make my flight <laughs> and get through customs. Right, that's the, that's the impressive I, part. Here, I just actually found my tweet from this. This is November 22nd, 2015. Flight departed at 5, 10 p.m. I boarded the train at two minutes to four. I boarded the train an hour, 12 minutes um, prior to departure, and I made the flight no problem. I mean, that's impressive. That's insane. Was, was it Shingen? I'm guessing it was a Shingen flight. No, I was flying back no? to the States. Really? I had to clear immigration, yeah. That's that, I mean, that... flying at 5 p.m.? L.A.? Uh, no, the late JFK flight. Oh, okay. Yeah, arriving on the train through security immigration and onto the plane in 25 minutes. It, it was not the peak morning yeah, yeah. departure bank to Europe, to America, but yeah, no, it was. I remember it being a ridiculously short period of time. So probably 90 minutes out is when I noticed I had to go and like grab my stuff, packed up, and left. That was also the time I did it. Literally an overnight. I was out of the states for 26 hours uh, trip to Amsterdam. So I do, I do feel like that one of two actually. I feel like that Newark flight in the morning fuzz is semi painful, right? Like it is. Because because it leaves at nine fifteen, you know the second earliest flight to the states from Europe that United operates or yeah. used to be. But the advantage to it is you're on the ground before lunchtime. That's yes. very true. Very true. So or, back to the back to back to the topic. All right. So <laughs> wait, there was a topic. Wait, what? Lelystad Airport is the name of the airport. It's out in in farm country. I I mean the way it's going now, I don't think so. But just so you guys know, there is a an aviation museum at this airport and. Now we have to go. Well, okay. we still haven't made it to the a model store next to Schiphol. How are we going? Well, why do you think we're going to make it to this airport? With the, one next to or the one like in the terminal building mall. No, the one next to it, the big one, not okay. the one in the building. So I, I mean, this is. I'm just going to throw this out there. We've got we've put in, we've put Ireland on the list of places to go. I think we need a side trip to to Amsterdam uh, and this this airport museum and the uh, model shop. No. Cool. All right. So I'm just I'm, what I'm doing is I'm putting up plans that I can cancel. That's all I'm doing. Um, oh, okay. So I don't need a plan for this. <laughs> uh, Mate, yeah. You were actually listening to him, Faz. I just assumed he was talking about <laughs> No, I, I really think we should do it. I'm I'm gonna I'm in a traveling mood at this point. Uh, anywhere, I'll go anywhere. I'll go anywhere. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Even the Island Hopper. Hey, you missed my Instagram story about the Island Hopper. I, I got it. I uh, I did. I didn't because I didn't tag Faz. I forgot to tag Faz. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 interested in the island hopper again. We just can't. My, my wife has told me that Brian can't come with us. Was Brian with us last time? No, okay. but he's he has a terrible record for getting stuck. Just like I, I, ge- do. I, I generally don't want to travel with Brian. Period. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing him in the airport is scary enough. Oh man. Um. So let's 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 move on. Just just not. But why is this why is this not going to happen? Right? Like, is it just that it's just delayed and they're saying we'll, we'll do it? I think it's. I mean, there's it's always nimbyism at some level, right? Someone's always fighting against everything, but especially an airport because they're 
they are loud and cause traffic and cause you know planes to be around. So yeah, makes sense. Um, the seven 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 X is now delayed to late twenty twenty three at the earliest. At the earliest. Uh, why? Because Boeing. Okay, I mean you have to give you have to give us more than that. Yeah, I, I, it's a little hard to tell how much of it is the plane isn't ready, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, versus uh, regulation or regulatory. Uh, approval questions, mm-hmm. right? We have the issue slash change in the ODA process, the certification process that was included in the December 2020 uh, Omnibus Spending Act slash COVID relief bill that included uh, the complete overhaul of how regulatory or how uh, regulation and certification happens. In response to the MAX, right? That's part of it. it yeah, it was a response to that, but uh, generally speaking, yeah. Um, so um, that's a little... A uh, bit of a challenge, and no one's quite sure how that's going to play out because the FAA hasn't really implemented it yet. Uh, the Department of Transportation, probably. Um, and then uh, there's the whole part where we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and no one really expects long haul travel to recover that quickly. Um, and what does that mean for the airlines that have committed to buying it? Uh, which, to be fair, aren't that there aren't that many. Um, you know, several hundred sold back in orders, but you know, it's also a lot of Middle East carriers that are trying to scale back and. Uh, although Singapore Airlines today announced that they're trading, they're shifting their order book from seven eight seven tens to triple seven X's in the and pushing them out more years. But um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot sort of going on there. There's a lot of moving parts, but the the gist of it is that Emirates said it doesn't expect to take delivery until late 2023, which means it wouldn't be flying probably until early 2024. And this is a plane where they probably specified the seats in 2017, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like Lufthansa, right? Remember Lufthansa announced that whole like throne middle seat, and they were they got the uh, Skytrax bullshit five star award as a result because you know they're, they're going to have it in a couple years, so we may as well just go ahead and give it to them. Yeah. Uh. So has there been any cancellations because of this? Like, have any has anyone canceled their orders, or has it just been delayed? There have been, right? Okay. I mean, there have been cancellations, and this is you know is it specifically because of this or the pandemic, or 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 right? But mm-hmm. you know, or just airlines generally realizing that they can't survive the environment that they planned. But uh, yeah, there have been some cancellations. It's not great news for Boeing. I think, and some of it is unofficial cancellations. Like I want to say, there was a report that the there's a accounting like rule, I think it's 606 or something like that, where if a contract is considered at risk of collection, like you're not going to actually collect the money from that contract, you have to declare it. And Boeing moved something like 130 of the 500 or 400 orders into that classification hmm. um, after their earnings call a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I, not, not, not great news. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this just a little bit like, you know, this is – it's supposed to be a great plane, you know, added capacity, all these things, more fuel efficient, bigger engines, blah, blah, blah. More fuel efficient, but also 10, ten of rest. Um, and, you know, it's, we'll, I mean, we'll have to see. It was, there, was, there wasn't a ton of good news in economy class. Uh, here we go. From the Liam site, I got it. Uh, 191 firm orders remain after 118 have now been classified as, quote unquote, iffy due to accounting rule ASC 606. Um yeah, they went. They went from seventeen questionable orders to one hundred and thirty-five uh, during their last uh, quarterly report or annual, I guess, because January. What is what is uh, Singapore replacing? Are they replacing seven seven Ws? Is that what they would replace? By, by the time they show up, A three eighties too. Mm. Um, 
did they get rid of their 330s yet, or do they still have 330s? They still have 330s, as far as I know. Yeah, so it's probably a combination of 330s, um, well, 77Ws. Yeah, I was going to say, is I think there's sort of a rotation a cycle thing that's gonna, that plays into it. Like, the the 787-10s were regional planes, because they were higher density, shorter uh, mm-hmm. range. So, right, those are going to, those are your planes flying to India, to Japan, um, maybe to Australia, uh, depending on what cabin they want to put in there and which route. And so, switch those, you know, you don't one to one switch those to a 777X because the 777X is such a bigger plane with massively more range, et cetera. Um, or, yeah, it's, I'd say more seats, but the way they configured it, probably be the same number of seats, just more comfortable. Um, but it, it, there's that. So it's, it's also sort of what do they expect the route structure to be mm-hmm. in a while? Weird times. Yeah. Um, Alitalia, is it uh, dead yet? Maybe. <laughs> no. Well, sort of. So we've, we've talked about this a little bit before. Like, it's never really going to die, and they're, they're planning to, this, the government's planning to recapitalize it. Um, right, invest in money, start over. And the, uh, I guess a European court has ruled that if they're going to do it, they can't, they have to really, like, recapitalize a new airline. They can't just keep all the old and bring it over. And among the things that are in play there is the airline name and brand. Because whether you want to believe it or not, brand, you know, uh, the brand name has value, right? I mean, airlines take loans against their brand names these days all the time. So, yeah, it's a super interesting story that they might have. They also, like, I think they have to divest their ground handling and all the other stuff and, like, all their other ancillary businesses. Um, so when it launch, when it relaunches, when if this all really comes to pass, it would be a new name. Hmm. Air Italy. Nah, that one's already taken. <laughs> Italy air, Italian. <laughs> yeah, Italy. Uh, Italy air, Italy um, It's one of the characters in uh, the Sound of Music, right? Is it? I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Canada closing its borders. This is, I mean, a little bit old news now that uh, we're recording every other week. Um, but I mean, Canada's pretty much said you got to fly through the major hubs of coming in internationally. Um, but generally the borders are closed, including to uh, U.S. citizens. Yeah, and especially close. Um, they actually they announced some road uh, testing and other requirements for road land border crossings too. Um, but the super interesting one to me is, I mean, sort of the, the fall on the initial effect was they convinced the airlines to stop flying to the Caribbean and Mexico and Central America. And so Rouge basically just shut down hard, um, laid off a bunch of people. Uh, WestJet is not shutting down, but you know all of these routes, they're not carrying any passengers southbound anymore. Um, unlike the U.S., that was like, okay, well, everybody just needs a test to come home. Um, Canada's like, yeah, no, we actually would just like you to stop going there. Um, and it seems to be working, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was a pretty hard close. And then on top of that, uh, on Tuesday, just which is when we're recording this, the 9th, they, uh, Air Canada announced a bunch more markets would be closing. Um, and like, LaGuardia and Boston and National DCA are all closing. They're just shutting down their stations for um, you know days at a time. I think it's through the end of April. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting situation where there's clearly, um, I mean, for uh, obvious reasons related to the healthcare situation, it ma- it makes some sense. But it's interesting to see that given that you know the U.S. isn't doing anything near that much. Yeah, Seattle. I guess Fort Myers, who, who cares as much about that, and Denver are the other uh, airports for a total of one, two, three, four, five, six in the U.S. Uh, 
Sao Paulo, Bogota, Tokyo, and Dublin are also uh, closing passenger service, although those international, the long-haul routes will keep cargo. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like There for a while, Air Canada was still operating PDX to Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that just ended recently. Yeah, and I mean, the, like LaGuardia, they have slots to operate 20-something flights a day. So it's not a small operation, yeah. but they had already scaled down to like who maybe one every other day or something like that, a couple of days a week. It was a pretty light capacity, and now they're just throwing in the towel completely. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, H&A bankruptcy uh, is affecting dozens of airlines, 600 plus planes, uh, plus $9 billion in embezzlement. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun part. <laughs> What do we want to talk about first? <laughs> I'd like to learn how to uh, steal $9 billion and hide it. <laughs> well, in China, it mostly involves funneling hard currency out of the country, uh, often through casino junkets uh, or sketchy merger and acquisition plans. If you're big enough that you can establish a large corporation and start, you know, buying other companies and using the international transactions to move money around. Starwood. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's clearly sketchy, but a, a handful of people were arrested as part of this bankruptcy and charged with like a nine ish billion dollars worth of embezzlement. So, oopsie. Is H&A uh, is, H&A is Air, is, uh, what is it? Um, Hainan. Hainan, yeah. And so, Hong Kong Express, I think, and, well, and many uh, others. That's like Kathy, all, didn't Cathay buy Hong Kong Express? Then it was the other one there. There was another Hong Kong startup airline that was H&A, or, or they sold. Um, I think they sold. I think it was Hong Kong okay. Express, but... Yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, they used to own uh, Swissport. They owned right the, the ground handling company, and they finally sold that back. They actually own Thompson Aero Seating, the folks that make the Vantage and some of the other fancy business class seats. Um, so it's... And like it's like a 2,500-company holding company. It's insane the number of different things that they're into. But with respect to the airlines, at least the be- the, the vaguely good news is that uh, they generally own the airlines. Or most of them are short-haul operations or regional you know, within China, and they're generally owned with the local government. Hmm. So very few people expect them to fully shut down any of those airlines. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of planes. It's like 500 single-aisle and 100 uh, twin-aisle planes that potentially could be up for lease renewal or lease renegotiation, which these days is a big part of, you know, the lessors are clearly unhappy anyways with the amount of planes that they're dealing with. But um, anyway, it's just, it's, you know, there's been talk for a while now about what's going on there and how they're the the sort of the house of cards was finally going to collapse and they've been trying to find more money and trying to find more money. And now they're no longer trying to find more money or they're trying to find it differently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of related to China. I'm just like looking at flight radar today for fun because you know, and I see three Air China flights with real lo- what look like real flight numbers. Uh, basically 45 minutes behind each other. Going where? Beijing. From? LA to be- LA Beijing. Yeah. Okay. It's just I mean that's kind of bizarre to me, but anyway. Um, I, I, and another topic too that I wanted to just touch on real brief, briefly is, Cat, uh, did you guys see the news about Cathay Pacific and masks in first and business class? I did. What, what do you guys? What do you guys think of this? I mean, it's it it makes sense on the face, but then at the same time, it goes against everything that they've been telling people, like wear your mask. You know. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out what part of on the face 
other than, you know, a mask where it makes sense. Um, yeah. So the, to back up a half step, the rule is if you're in business or first class, you don't have to wear your mask while you're sleeping. Right. And long haul flights. Now let's start with like, that's only three flights a week or something like that. Cause Cathay Pacific has cut back so much. Um, it's a few more than that, but Cathay Pacific route network is tiny right now. I think it's while you're asleep and your seat has to be fully reclined. Yeah. And so I guess you could argue that if the seat is fully reclined, you're maybe breathing into the pillow or into the wall and rather than up into the air. I don't know, unless you sleep on your back. Um, it's, I don't think this is the mask rules are what are making people not travel. And I think it's a stupid way to approach the situation. Yeah. And that's what I was saying is it kind of makes sense is it, it makes sense because in business and first, you're probably further from each other than you yeah, are. Yeah, there's some coach. spacing, but. But it's still like in business class, right? Like when in the in the, in the business class seats, you're still kind of close to each other. Like it's not, you're not 10 feet away. But how full are these cabins, right? If you look at any most international flights, the cabins, the premium cabins are mostly empty. True. I think all the cabins are pretty much empty. <laughs> well, not domestically. True. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I guess, I guess why have rules uh, for one set? It, like Seth said, I don't think it's like attracting people to fly. Like, oh, I don't have to wear a mask on Cathay Business Class. I'm, let me just get on a flight tomorrow. I'm like, no. Or I'm definitely going to fly Cathay instead of other airline because I don't have to wear a mask. Like, honestly, thank you for advertising that that's your policy because I don't want anything to do with you or the airline that you're flying on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go down this terrible rabbit hole of all the different companies trying to offer uh, certifications on how good airlines are at adhering to health standards, but that's a different mess. I mean, this is, it's really no different than like airlines offering $50 tickets, right. During the next few weeks, like Alaska or United, like encouraging people to get on a plane, probably not the right thing to do, but you get it. You got to make money though. So, um, and although I don't know how $50 fares are making you money anyway, uh, new mint suite, Seth, I'm a fan. It, It looks nice. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some concerns about it. So this is, I mentioned Thompson Era before, it's their product. The Vantage Solo is the name of the seat. Um, and JetBlue is going to be the launch customer. Uh, it's going to be on the new A321neo mint planes and the A321LRs, which are the London flights, um, which will happen at some point this summer probably, uh, Q3-ish. Uh, it's, uh, it's nice. It's like a 45-degree angle offset. So um, that's an interest. It's very angled, right? I mean, that's... Some pe- has some people conf- you know confused or uncomfortable questioning how that's going to feel, especially during takeoff and landing. Uh, and then it's narrow because all seats are, um, you know, to make a, to make sure that there's enough room to bed. There's some angles at which it looks pretty narrow, but it also looks like a you know it's a nice big screen. There's some nice options in with because of the way the angle is set up. If you can imagine, you know, everybody's sort of you know herring boned in whatever, but the front row is you've got the you can have the full triangle, not just the line. And they've rather than taking that space and making it into galley or closet or whatever, they've given that space to the seats. Uh, supposedly going to be an upcharge of some sort. They but sold as a regular business class seat, I think. Right, so same fare class mm-hmm. but a different upcharge, and they haven't quite figured out the details yet. Um, and they also remember that they sort of said they might try that with the uh, the throne seats on the original mid planes. This time, I think they actually will, though. And it's going to be like uh, an interesting. Um, it's an interesting product. They're calling it the Studio Suite, uh, the Mint Suite Studio, Mint Studio Suite, something like that. And it's they actually are putting a sort of an extra little chair or seat in with a second seat belt, so you can invite a set a guest to come join you in your suite um, to dine together or watch TV together. Um, dual headphone jacks, 
which is <laughs> a smart touch, right? So you can share the audio. Um, they, they were very clear, though, from the beginning. You can only invite another Mint passenger to join you. You can't have someone from Coach come up. So they've they've clearly been looking at flyer talk over the clearly. last ten years. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was. Yeah, I, I do feel like that's like the sort of attention you want to pay, sort of detail you want to pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it looks like it looks like a fairly nice seat. I think you're right. The offset of of the seat is a little strange, um, and and it faces the aisle. Like your feet are in the aisle. You don't face the windows. Right. And I generally don't like that. Like I, I'm trying to think who I flew. Maybe it was Virgin, Virgin Atlantic. That they they face they face yep. their, their feet face. And I, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, it felt like I had to like really reach to see out the window. Whereas if I'm facing the window, I can kind of move my head a little bit and get a better view. I don't know. Yeah, it's just me. My counterpoint to that is always yes, I'm facing the window, but I'm also like two feet away from it, so it's really true. hard to see out. True, true, true. Or you can see out, but not down. Yep. I don't know. But I always feel you have a little more privacy looking towards the window rather than looking to the aisle. Yeah, like from because because your kind of like back is to the aisle? Exactly. Yeah. See, yeah. I you're back I, and everyone I, else I, is I really don't like having my back to people. Mm. I like if I'm sitting in a restaurant, I want to be facing I want my back against a wall, not facing the wall. Because you I want to see I want to see everybody around me. Are you secretly a mobster? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Did you see there's a headline on I think, the New York Post this week? Does the Long Island Railroad have a mafia problem? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I, miss, I miss that. Uh, so, I mean, it looks like it looks nice. I'll be interested to see what they price it as. This is going to be on the London route, right? Like that's yeah. the prediction. Right? No, it's confirmed. They have said that's that seat. And will will they? You think they'll rotate this into mint routes that are domestic at all? So yeah, so there's the two different types of planes. The 321 Neo is a regular mint layout, and it'll have 16 seats on board. Um, Two suites and fourteen other, and then the uh, the LRs have twenty four, twenty two, and two. Mm. Um, but both of them will uh, both of them will do it. So it's they'll both have. But it was it was a weird turn of phrase. Actually, the CEO mentioned in the earnings call, like the week before they announced this, that both aircraft would have the same seat, um, which I picked up on, and that was a fun story to write. But then from there, they confirmed it and then announced that this is the seat for both planes. So the old mint. Will still exist and fly as it is. Um, then the new mint uh, will actually launch domestically first because the first Neo is being delivered before the first LR, and they're expecting that to start flying uh, JFK LA in June, and then the Neo to start flying Q3 to London. Hmm. Okay, very interesting. Foz, you gonna you gonna take one of these when JetBlue starts it? I haven't even taken the existing mint product yet. Really? Yeah. Not for seven years, dude. That's okay. <laughs> I have rarely have an interest to go to JFK, and they That's just true. recently started. And you said now they started at Newark, you know, just match prices. <laughs> um, let's see here. Boeing is making another attempt at uh, NMA aircraft, ish, kind maybe. of, sort of. They need to. They're they're talking again. It'll be interesting to see what comes. There was uh, some news that it's probably not the NMA. It's more like the 757 replacement which was supposed to be the nma so i don't really know um but at one point there was some talk about a uh joint venture boeing had with someone to make apus which is like the the extra spare engine that sits inside the tail cone mm-hmm. um, powers the airplane uh electronics and stuff and <laughs> when you're over water can be used to restart the actual engines if one of them fails uh that was pre- that partnership was predicated on the nma program sort of taking flight and that 
partnership has been disbanded or suspended at least. So um, there's some question about what the new plane is going to be, but there are, you know, as we get every so often the cyclical nature of this industry, there's rumblings that Boeing really is going to try to do something again. That's you know the, the latest. How do we bring back? You know, I think the last time we tied the NMA, it was sort of like the weird oval shaped sort of twin aisle seven sixty seven replacement, mm-hmm. and now we're back to maybe a seven fifty seven replacement. But who the hell knows? I also, I mean, along those lines, I do think it's interesting that Boeing keeps talking about you know and just like a new, the same fuselage with maybe new engines or something like that, um, and trying to sort of incrementally go after fuel efficiency gains. Where Airbus is like, yeah, well, I mean, we got these other planes, they're doing fine, but let's see if we can make something out of it that runs on hydrogen in the next 10 years. Yeah. It's a yeah. very different approach to the market, which I think in the next decade we're going to see some, it's going to be fun to watch it shake out. Yeah. But, yeah. but has the ship sailed at this point for Boeing? Is it worth their time, given that most of the carriers who've been using that size plane have already signed up for the XLR? I don't think it's quite that many. I think there still is room in the market. Also, like, Okay, so they're going to skip that and do what? Uh, maybe stabilize the existing product line. Nah. Yeah. I, nah. I, I, I honestly, I would say they're they're better off pushing forward with a new airplane that actually has uh, step change improvements at some level versus you know, the seven eight seven is fine, other than the fact that you know it has terrible production problems in South from South Carolina, which is where they're moving all the production starting this year. Um, but other than that, you know, it's great. The triple seven X, we don't really know what's going to happen for a few years yet. But um, you know, the triple seven itself is has been a strong and reliable airplane. Um, seven forty seven is done. The seven sixty seven, unless you're buying freighters or tankers, is done. And the seven thirty seven Max, you know, there are definitely questions around how long that's going to continue to be a strong seller versus maybe it's time to replace that. You know, depending on your position and what you believe in the market. Um, that's where I would say, you know, replacing that more quickly, yes, it costs money, but at this point, that program is already, you know, the tens of billions of dollars in costs that they've had to charge against it. Like, you sort of have to decide that that's done. You're never going to make that all up in profit again. So, mm-hmm. like, wh- why do you keep pouring money down those versus deal with the fact that you've got this several thousand, you know, they've still got a few thousand <laughs> order, backlogged orders on the max let those run out and have something new some years down the line around the time when that backlog runs out to be ready to convert people to is the alternate. I mean, I guess you, but you risk uh, pissing off your airline customers because they bought into a product line expecting this would be the current for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They also probably expected it not to crash and kill people for fun. So details just saying, and they expected it to not have to require training for extra sim training for the pilots. And yeah, there's, there are a lot of expectations that probably weren't met, right? They've got to, they've got to, they've got to win back, right? Custom, some customer trust, I think, yeah, is really, yes. really it. And, and that's a good way to phrase it. Thank you for being much more eloquent than my. No, no, I, I mean, but, but I think I think that's I think that's really the problem that they're facing, right? Is it, you've got to convince customers out there to say we want to go with you and we'll stick with you in whatever you're going to develop next, and maybe that's the seven seven X, maybe it's just whatever this NMA airplane is, but really, I mean, they, I think that they have to look at the short haul, you know, you, you got a, you got a whole fleet of 737, 800s, 900s, seven, you know, in, NGs, let's just say NGs out there that are eventually going to, have to be replaced. And the max really isn't the plane necessarily for all those. I mean, so the early NGs are already coming out the end of life, right? You figure the United ones or some of them are over 22 years old. Yeah. And I, I don't know that United wants to put a max on all those routes, especially right now. 
right? That that bomb bomb. The the A two twenty is looking really good. Well, right now the Vantage United has is they have enough planes that are parked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's the upside. So. Um, I should also throw in there, just while we're talking about Boeing product lines, um, there was a slide from a presentation today that included the 777X-10. Oh, interesting. Which previously only the 8 and the 9 had been really talked about. What, did they give any details? Not that I've seen. Okay. Yeah, you're such a tease. They're going to get uh, the extra seats by making them thinner, so it'll be 11 across. <laughs> Put them on the wing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hello, I'd like clean. indoor seating, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's, I'm going to, I'm going to skip around cause we're running short on time, but, uh, American airlines has announced Miami Tel Aviv. Uh, yeah. Be- because Tel Aviv doesn't have nice enough beaches, I guess. I don't know. What's, the, what's the reasoning? So Miami doesn't have nice enough beaches. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which, which, one, like which one? <laughs> no, there's a lot of traffic. It's actually an LL route also. Um, oh, that's there has right. been historically some uh, good, good, good volumes of traffic in the market. Um, and now that American has decided to go back to Israel again, um, Right, U.S. Air had briefly had the Philadelphia service that never worked, but American had announced JFK service this summer and now is adding the Miami. I think it's three days a week. Um, so, wow. Do you think uh, you know with COVID it'll be you know a success or I mean Israel's doing a, a much more effective job at vaccinating their population? Um, yeah, but, but Florida isn't. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't it's know. Not, this is one of those situations where you can just balance it out and say yeah, halfway. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, whatever. It's We'll all get there eventually if this isn't going to last forever. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see how uh, that market does. It, uh, clearly, the market exists, you know, and like everything else right now, announce some good markets that you think have potential and then see mm-hmm. if you actually launch them when the time comes. Um, and Allegiant, new routes. Seth, you, you posted this today uh, from uh, Ed Russell, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're starting – LAX. You're really excited about it, the L.A. Shreveport, aren't you? Yeah, L.A. Shreveport is just—it's got my name written all over it. <laughs> I, think, LA I mean, for you, actually, you got Portland Grand Rapids. That's they added a new, another new Portland route. Oh, I'm so excited! Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, they run a mini hub out of there, it's like oh. a crew base. I think. I actually have friends that live there. That could actually—that actually could work. <laughs> Seems like, oh, wait a minute! I can't. I, this, this is a whole weird episode where, like, you make a flippant remark and then you have to actually find out that you were being—you're correct. But would, you, would you fly Allegiant? Well, I mean, I've already talked about flying them on these random Portland routes. So, but those yeah, are short. like short one-hour hops, not three hours to the middle of Michigan. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe I'll give it. A, I like I said, I'll I'll go anywhere at this yeah. point. <laughs> LA, Indiana, LA isn't an nonstop, right? That's the thing. LA Indianapolis is on the map. Um, there was another one. There, I mean, there's a bunch of interesting ones out there. There's they've got nine routes that they're going to run special for Sturgis, the Sturgis <laughs> Rally uh, in August. Um, which is to which someone joked, how do you check your Harley? Yeah, um, and, and, and well, no, no. So because because Sturgis went so well this past year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to be if you want to be part of the super spreader event, you got to be there. <laughs> got to be in it to win it. Something like that. Um, it, it, as is always the case with Allegiant, a eclectic and random sort of collection of routes that always looks interesting and makes you go, huh. And then you remember they fly them twice a week. Uh, low, free, you know, super low frequencies, relatively low fares. They sell a lot of vacation packages, so you're, they're getting the commission on the hotel rates. And you know, people tend to like the people who like them like them because it's a nonstop from between secondary markets. Like LA to Indianapolis may be the largest market to largest market route they fly. Mm-hmm. I'd have to mm-hmm. figure out a way to look that up, but it seems like it's got to be up there. Yeah, and for people that are just want the easy, I just got to take. The, I just want to take it nonstop. I don't want to connect. Yeah, I mean, makes makes plenty. Right. I mean, it's two hours on, two or three hours on the plane. You get on, you sit in your seat, you shut up, you get there. Right, like it's not. 
um, the worst thing in the world. Uh, Are they flying to Rapid City for Sturgis? Uh, they do have a Rapid City on here. I'm not. I'm just looking at the map. I can't remember. Uh, this is Ned's map that I don't think has all them. St. Cloud, Minnesota to Valparaiso, Florida. That's a fun one. <laughs> uh, Bangor, Maine to Fort Lauderdale. McAllen, Texas to... I don't even know. I can't tell on the map which one it goes to. Maybe Nashville? Does anyone at Delta know that they lost their dartboard? <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, Portland to Grand Rapids, I think, is the new longest route on the map for them. Slightly longer than L.A., Indianapolis, I think, just by looking at it. But Wow. Um, yeah, uh, let me tell you, sorry, you asked me about Sturgis, and I got the press release here. Let me scroll down and find the details. Uh, yeah, it's Rapid City for Sturgis. They're going to fly to Appleton, Wisconsin, Indianapolis, Peoria, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Grand Rapids, Sanford, Florida, which is Orlando, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Punta Gorda. Oh, okay. Key West to Cincinnati. <laughs> Oh man, that's random yeah. stuff. If you want routes, if you want lines, though, this, this, these are the guys to go to. <laughs> it's almost San like Diego to Pasco. It's almost like we're going back to the routes of regulation. Yeah, the cab days. Yeah, except they're not hops; they're not milk runs. True. Ooh, Portsmouth to Nashville. Uh oh, Nashville's you... great. I like Nashville. Do you? Yeah. I had some really good meal. I had a I had a project I was working down there for a while, and actually, my current customer is based there, so this would be an excuse to get them to, for, to get someone else to pay for me to go visit. Um, I had some great meals in Nashville. But how far are you from Portsmouth? Fifteen minutes to the airport. Oh, that's like no nah, Portsmouth is super super close. I flew out of there on Frontier down to Florida back in the day. But yeah, I, we all we the problem is the only we get is Allegiant. <laughs> so it's <laughs> usually like in Punta Gorda or Myrtle Beach or badly timed flights to Sanford usually. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, um, let's see. Let's, we'll do one more topic. Uh, there's a Dodge Neon. Uh, Jalopnik had a post about a Dodge Neon being used as a baggage tug, uh, and this was uh, in Thunder Bay. It looks like. Yeah, it's North Canada. Bearskin Airlines. They uh, they just like ripped the top off of a Dodge Neon and made it a baggage tug. <laughs> Got to put a hitch on the back too for the tra- for the trailer. But yeah, how do you go wrong with that? <laughs> the, the comment was basically they're disposable. It costs like 500 bucks to buy one and do it. And if it breaks, you just buy another one versus <laughs> buying a tug, which is expensive piece of machinery. Yeah. Yeah. So, also, you know, waste not want not. Yeah. And yeah. it has heat. I'm sure. Which the tug would not. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, to be fair, Fies, they took a sawzall and cut the top of the roof off. So the heat is well, less effective, well, but it's still like driving a convertible, right? You, when you're not willing to accept that winter's here, you put the top down, put the heat on. <laughs> So not problems I have. <laughs> just, just, uh, just running the heat no matter what. Um, uh, let's see. I, well, I think that's. I mean, I think that's a show, guys. I think. I think we. Yeah, we should probably cut ourselves it. off. Yeah, but I, no. I am curious. Did they cut the neon themselves? I think they. I, I think they had someone do it for them. Because so if you're running an aircraft maintenance facility, you've got all the material and hardware you need to make those cuts. That's true. Right. Like I mean, trimming the aluminum. Off the of plane skin, you gotta have spare snips somewhere or sawzall. I mean, shit, in my basement, I probably have the tools to do it. <laughs> Not Seth, well, but I could do it. Seth's like, hire me. <laughs> Looking at this picture, I don't think they did it well to begin with, so. Well, there's that. So, you know, when you get really bored, you can go to the junkyard, buy some old beaters, and start converting the luggage carts for Portsmouth and uh, Bangor. There you go. <laughs> they far away, actually. Traveling salesman. Yeah, Portsmouth, I could do. There was a, someone pointed out to me, there was a, an old, uh, like, little baggage tug. But it's like, you know, like the tiny Japanese pickup trucks. 
mm-hmm. like with the sort of very low but open beds. Southwest apparently has a bunch of them at uh, Love Field. Mm-hmm. And there's one for sale still in like the Southwest paint job. Really? Nice. Yeah, apparently they're not street legal everywhere. Although then I was driving around here and I actually saw a similar truck on the side of the road. So I'm pretty sure they are because it's New Hampshire because, you know, live free or die. Um, you had a seatbelt in that thing? Sort of. You're good to go, son. Uh, again, not Southern. I don't know why I keep going there. Um, live free or paralyzed. Exactly. Um, but uh, it was surprisingly expensive, actually. So I'm yeah. super excited for it. And they pop out at like 30 miles an hour, which isn't so useful for the 45 mile drive I need to take to get to my lumber yard. <laughs> it takes you an hour and 15 minutes to get there. Yeah, it's like 40 minutes normally. And if I had to double that, I would be disappointed as would everybody else behind me on the road. Uh, anyway. Well, to, to our listeners, uh, thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Twitter at dots, lines, more dots, more lines.com. Uh, we're going to have an after show after this. We're going to be talking about uh, none of it. Rolls Royce and uh, American Airlines some more. Uh, so yeah, if you want to stick all with things us, that should really have Foz riled up, this would be fun. <laughs> so uh, thanks. And until uh, next time, happy travels. Take care. And because Stephen wasn't quite clear, that after show is available to you if you're a Patreon subscriber, um, which you can find us on Patreon or follow it from our website um, and get access to that. And we'll see you later.